Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. If you know it, sing it with me. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. Now, some of you said, wait a minute, we can't sing that yet. Uh, you know, it's amazing, one of the most beloved Christmas carols of all time. It, it, it's often a favorite brought up in, in hymn request and carol request at this time of year. Uh, often people are like, this is one of my favorites. Uh, what would Christmas be like without joy to the world? And surrounding it is so much tradition in every congregation. For instance, here at St. John, uh, some of you are thinking, we can't sing that yet, and some of you refuse to sing it. I know you did. Because after all, here at St. John, we never sing that song until Christmas Eve, right? Especially if you ever come to the 11 o'clock service. When I first got here almost seven years ago, um, and I was warned about this, that one of our Christmas traditions is that we sing joy to the world at, at the 11 o'clock service exactly at midnight. And I thought to myself, knowing it was going to be communion and and the chances of us being done in less than an hour, like, well, how does that work? It's our closing hymn, after all. What do you mean we sing it at midnight? How do we time that out exactly? And, and I learned, no, we don't time it out. No matter where we're at at the service, at the 11 o'clock service, when midnight strikes, the zimple stern on the organ will start, and we will stand together as a congregation, and we sing the first verse of Joy to the World. How many of you have experienced that at the 11 o'clock service? If you haven't, it's, I thought this is the hokiest thing I've ever heard of. And I got to say, once I experienced it, I realized this is one of the neatest traditions. Um, I don't know where it comes from Scripture because it's, it's just a tradition, right? It's a neat thing that we stand at midnight and we sing joy to the world. The Lord is calm. Joy to the world. It, it's one of those most beloved Christmas carols. It, it's on the, the popular list for many. And, and perhaps some of you, if you were asked, what's your favorite Christmas carol of all time? You'd say, well, joy to the world, because without joy to the world, Christmas wouldn't be Christmas. What's kind of ironic about that is joy to the world is actually not a Christmas song or a Christmas carol. Uh, Isaac Watts, let's, let's put his picture up on the screen. Um, beyond having really nice hair and having an incredible resemblance to Nick Quapis, Isaac Watts wrote Joy to the World, at least most of the text, some of the text was added later, um, not by Handel, but based on some of Handel's lyrics, some were adapted to uh, the hymn and to the song, and, and then later uh, composed and, and put together with another tune different than what Isaac Watts had originally put to, to the text. But the text itself, primarily written by Isaac Watts, and, and uh, he was well and alive and well in the uh, in the 1700s, and, and even before that, in the 1600s, later part of the 1600s, he was born and, and had quite a life, uh, a, quite a cr prolific writer. And in fact, uh, just an interesting background on this, uh, even at an early age, he had an incredible propensity for writing rhymes and lyrics. Um, there's, a, there's a story about his childhood that one day as the family was around the, the dinner table and they were saying their prayers together, 
um, that his father noticed that, that young Isaac Watts had his eyes open and was staring across the room during the prayers. And, and his dad uh, asked him, Isaac, what were you looking at? Rather than focusing on your prayers. And, and here's what he responded with. He said, uh, a little mouse for want of stairs ran up a rope to say its prayers. Apparently his father heard some sass in those words and, and began to give him a spanking. And as he was being spanked, it is said that Isaac then responded by saying this, Oh, Father, Father, pity take, and I will no more verses make. And the spanking continues. A different time, a different age. And yet Isaac's ability to come up with rhymes and lyrics was a God-given gift. He would grow up to become a pastor and a prolific author and a prolific hymn writer. In fact, uh, he wrote over 750 hymns are attributed to Isaac Watts. And, and just by comparison, uh, back in my days in, in high school and college when I was playing guitar and singing and leading worship and things like that at, at, in, in school, I, I had this desire to be a songwriter and uh, I started working on a song. And uh, 30 years later, I'm still working on that song. Right? I clearly do not have that gift. But to imagine 750 hymns in a lifetime. That is quite a gift. Um, some of those hymns, uh, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, or um, here's another one, Our God, our, our, hope in, or our Help in Ages Past, is another one attributed to him that he wrote, uh, among many, 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 many others. Uh, what an incredible life and testimony to his ability to write, not only music and lyrics. But I think about this, too. Um, in his day, he was not well-received. Uh, he was considered radical. He, he was considered outside the norm of the church. He was pushing the envelope in terms of worship and music and, and alternative lyrics and tunes. And uh, he got a lot of flack and a lot of people did not like him as a result of that. He was considered to be a contemporary musician and uh, kind of the, similar in our day, like I think of a Chris Tomlin or, or David Crowder or others that have written all of these modern worship songs and and we say, oh, that's not traditional. Well, think about it. Every song begins somewhere, at some time. And Isaac Watts was radical in his inspiration, as he were, in creativity to write hymns. Joy to the world is one of them. But as I mentioned, what's intriguing about this is Joy to the World wasn't written by Isaac Watts as a Christmas hymn. It wasn't inspired by Luke chapter 2 and the shepherds being out in the fields watching their flocks as the angels appear and, and the joy at which we often think, oh, that's what that song's based on and that's what it's all about. And actually, that was not the inspiration for that hymn at all. In fact, often the, the, the lyric, joy to the world, the Lord is come is often retranslated just in the vernacular of people who have been singing it long enough. We start to say, joy to the world, the Lord has come. But that's not what Isaac Watts originally wrote. He wrote, the Lord is come in terms of his future coming in glory. This is actually very much an Advent hymn. And it is very much a hymn about the Lord's second coming. The reason I know that and am certain of that is the fact that Isaac Watts was inspired to write Joy to the World based in Psalm 98. Um, not often attributed as a Christmas text at all, though it is a messianic text. And, and as Isaac Watts is a theologian, not Lutheran, I get it, 
but as a theologian, fully recognized that the Old Testament fully pointed to the coming of Jesus and was filled with messianic verses and prophecies that foretold of a God that was to come and a God who was to return in glory. Even the Old Testament foretells of that. Psalm 98 is one of those verses or one of those chapters of Scripture that speak of that day and an eager expectation that God's people have. I want to read these verses again. We, we read them earlier and you maybe wondered, okay, oh, there's lots of words of joy in here. Oh, is that why we're reading it? Well, we're reading it because, yes, it's filled with joy. Filled with words of joy based in the promise of a God who comes to fulfill our longings for better days. I'm going to focus in on Psalm 98 and what inspired Isaac Watts was verses 4 through 9. This is what he based the hymn, Joy to the World, on, beginning with verse 4. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blasts of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound in everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge, there it is, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. Which might lead us to say, if the Lord comes to judge, then why all the joy? Why all the joy? If God comes to judge, well, certainly you and I, we, we recognize this. If, if God were to come and, and judge us based in our own righteousness and what we've attained, what we've acquired, what we've done for Him or done for His name, and if we've done it in our own power, in our own strength, well, God's Word is clear on this. It's like rubbish. It's like a pile of dung in comparison to God's righteousness and holiness. We don't have that capacity and that ability to be righteous and holy in and of ourselves. For we fail regularly. Just a test of our pulse to say, am I alive? Yep, it's still beating. <laughs> Which tells me I'm a broken, sinful human being in this broken, sinful, fallen world. A, a world filled with hopelessness. In a world that so often is joyless. I open the news and I, I see like, oh no, another mass murder or another shooting or a, another dilemma politically or another problem in the world or natural disaster. And the list goes on. Every day brings many reasons to be depressed and overwhelmed. Every day. And if left to ourselves to figure it out, if left to ourselves to try and sort of circumnavigate the brokenness of this reality called life, we are going to be overwhelmed. We will be joyless in our approach. Because if we're honest, we know we are sinners not deserving of God's love and mercy and forgiveness. We are people deserving of God's judgment and wrath. And yet, why does the psalm speak of joy? Well, because it's messianic, you see. It promises of a better day. All of Scripture speaks of a day that is coming when God's people will receive this incredible king who comes among them. And Jesus made it clear, I didn't, I didn't come to judge. 
Father, I came to serve. I came to love. I came in mercy and grace and forgiveness. It's his whole reason for being born into this broken, fallen world where he'd laid down his life not to just be a cute baby, but to go the way of the cross to pay the price our sins deserve. And ultimately, we deserve because of our sin. That's why he comes. But our God also tells us he's coming back. And for those who have received him in faith, for those who celebrate that calling over them as children of God, baptized, washed, and made new in his presence, we have a hope and a joy, not only for what is today, because guess what? Our eyes are now glazed with the love of Jesus. And we can see this world in a different way. We see the brokenness and the hardship and the pain. But God invites us now to see it in light of what is coming. A day that he promises where he will return in glory. Where there will be an end to the hardship. There will be an end to the brokenness. There will be an end to the pain and the struggle. Or as, as I love how Paul writes it in Romans chapter 8. He says, all of creation is in eager expectation. Waiting for the God to return. And, and that release from decay and death that we see so often. We wait with eager expectation, but we wait as people filled with joy. All of Psalm 98 talks about the natural order of things, creation being in joy, and yet we contrast that with the now and the not yet. The now is our God has come, our God has blessed us beyond measure. There is reason for joy, but the not yet is yet we still face hardship, and we fa still face pain, and we still face struggles. And that might be something we need to be reminded of in this season where everybody says it's the best time of the year. And we're like, man, I just don't feel joy-filled. Because life right now is really difficult for me. I'm challenged or I'm struggling. Or my financially, how are we going to deal with this reality? Or how am I going to get through another Christmas without that loved one? How am I going to deal with a family that's breaking up? Or a marriage that's falling apart? Or a child that refuses to talk to me? You know, the list goes on of reasons we can be joyless. But our God enters into the circumstance and the situation of our lives. And he reminds us there is joy. Joy has come to this world. And joy will return when he returns in glory. It's that time of year in this season of Advent. And joy to the world is a great Advent hymn, as it were. Yet it also fits well for Christmas. Let's, let's face it. A Savior who not only has come, but a Savior who is to come. And a Savior who brings joy. Let's think about the, the great story I heard as a kid first when this man who had doubts about the whole joy factor that, that the faith of Christianity would suggest. He was a, really a joyless man, kind of a grumpy old man, probably from Minnesota like that movie. I love that movie, by the way, Grumpy Old Man. Anybody have you seen that one? Just checking. I, I wasn't going to talk about that, but just had to. Um, but he, his family were believers in Jesus, and, and when Christmas would come, there was always that, that sense of tension in the family knowing that dad wasn't going to go to church with them. He, he wouldn't have nothing to do with it. He thought it was a waste of time, a waste of effort, a waste of money. Why would you give money to the church? He just thought, what a, what a waste of, of life and intellect. And one Christmas Eve, he was home by himself. The rest of the family was at church. It was a cold, cold Christmas Eve. 
and he heard a thump on the window. And, and, and then it happened again. And, and as he was looking out, he couldn't see anything. He thought, who's playing a practical joke on me? And finally he opened up the front door. He's looking at the front window, and he noticed some, this flock, small flock of birds were huddling together, and he, he came to realize they were cold. It was a cold, cold night. And, and through the glass, they could see the warmth of the fire, and they were trying to escape the cold. And he had, had some compassion in him. He thought, man, if only I could help out these birds. And, and he thought, well, I'll, I'll open up the, uh, the garage, and, and maybe I can get them into the garage. It was a detached garage, kind of a barn th- thing. And, and he thought, maybe that would be at least warmer for the birds. And and uh, so he opened up the, the garage door and, and tried to shoo these birds into the, into the garage. And, and they'd have nothing of it. I mean, they just kept scattering and flying away every other direction, but the direction he was trying to sort them and, and lead them. And, and he got so frustrated as, why can't they understand? I'm not here to harm them. I'm here to help them. And, and he thought, if only I could become a bird and I could explain to them and speak bird language and, and lead them to, to safety and that's when a church bell in the distance, the story goes, resounded, and he fell to his knees in the snow, the story goes. And it all came full circle for him to realize why would God come to earth to become like us and come to share with us in our own language that we are loved, that he's come to save us and lead us to everlasting life. And it suddenly made sense. And as the story goes, that man became a believer that night. It's a couple birds who are cold and dying. Because he realized he too was a dying man in need of love and mercy. Now I want to encourage you in these days filled with joy. That often are so filled with joylessness at the same time. Spend time kneeling in your Savior's presence. To realize the joy that comes in his first coming, but to realize the joy that is ours as people who eagerly await his coming again in glory, where all things will be restored. Let's pray. Joy to the world, our Savior. We thank you that you are a God who has come and a God who is coming again. Lord, as we live in these days of the now, the now, the reality that we are redeemed children of God through Jesus, the Savior who who has conquered death and sin and brokenness, but also in the not yet as people who wait eagerly your coming again in glory. As so often our eyes and our lives fix on the brokenness and the, the struggles of this world that are not filled with joy. May you open our eyes with the reality of the now and the not yet, the joy that is ours as as people in Jesus and people who find joy in the coming Savior who is to come back in glory. May we be ready with hearts and lives filled in responses of joy to not only in our own lives and our families, but in our community, among our neighbors and friends. May we be people, Lord God, who are filled with joy. We pray this as you live and as you reign as one God, now and forever. Amen.